Welcome to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm Macaretta, and I interview real women with real stories about real life stuff. I'm inviting you to laugh, cry, and connect with my guests as they share some of their most impactful life experiences, from their brightest moments to their darkest hours. For more stories and an opportunity to share your own, visit me at thisgirlputsout.com. Welcome everyone to This Girl Puts Out. I'm your host, Carm, and today we are talking about forgiveness and gratitude. We have a super special guest with us today. Her name is Janelle McMiller. She is the founder and CEO of Synquility. She's an inspirational speaker and growth mindset guide that focuses on gratitude and forgiveness. So this is her specialty. Um, Janelle's motto is envision, hustle, receive, and her message, no more boxes, no more labels. Janelle's mission in life is to meet women where they are and allow them to feel seen and inspired to create a life they are obsessed with. One thought, one action, one moment at a time. Welcome, Janelle. Thank you, Carm. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, thank you for doing this. And I just know that your story is so important and I can't wait to share you with, with my listeners. So we're going to get right to it. And I'm going to ask you to tell us just a little bit about yourself, who you are. Yeah. Uh, so I am Janelle, as you said, I'm 33 years old. I have a 17 year old and a 12 year old. So I did start early in life and I'm married to literally my best friend. I tell him all the time that I manifested him and I really believe that I manifested the relationship that we have. Um, I'm a gratitude and forgiveness guide, like you said, um, a lot of people would say coach, but I like to say I guide women along their journeys. Uh, and I'm the CEO, founder of Synquility. We are a company that focuses on personal growth and sisterhood. So basically everything that I do is giving back to women. I work only with women and it comes from a space of deep servitude. I want to um, take everything that I've been through and all the lessons that I've gained. And I just want to share them with other women. Beautiful. Well, we're, we are very, very lucky and grateful that you are here. Um, so you've had a long, difficult road from yeah. uh, starting from your childhood. Yeah. So I like to say that my childhood was a very painted childhood. It was very colorful. <laughs> and it, it was very complex. Um, I've jokingly said, we all have a book, like a storybook. You've heard that analogy. And I, my life is more so short stories because sometimes they don't, you're, it's like, how did that even intertwine with one another? But I, I grew up and my parents got divorced when I was really young. They both remarried. My mom remarried a, a couple times. Uh, my dad was very much in and out of the picture growing up. So he was one of those fun dads that would come in and we'd have a great weekend. We would go shopping and he'd buy us all the things. And then we wouldn't see him again for a little chunk of time. And my mom, she dealt with a lot of depression. She had permagorphobia, which means she couldn't leave her bubble, which at times was our house. And, and the really bad times was just the four walls of her bedroom. And she had multiple personality disorder. So I literally had like moms, like plural moms, because I just never knew who my mom was going to be, who she was going to 
when I show up as. But all of that really, I, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but it, it really shaped the person that I am. So I'm grateful for all of that. I dealt with emotional abuse and sexual abuse in my childhood. And then when I was 12, the tender age of 12, I met the father of my children. And our story was, it was very quick. And I, I put this with my childhood because I was only 12. We became pregnant with our first child when I was 15 and I moved out of my mom's and I moved in with him. I had my daughter when I was 16. Uh, at 18, we got married. 21, I we had our son. And to the outside world, we had this great relationship, the high school sweethearts. And he was four years older than I was, so we weren't really in the same grade level, but the high school sweethearts that were in love and you had the boy and the girl and you had the pretty house and the great jobs and, and all of these things that you would think that it was bliss. And the truth was, it wasn't. It was a very unhealthy relationship. And through that relationship, I grew through a lot of traumatic experiences. And then when I was 26, just to kind of fast forward a little bit from there, um, that's where I made the huge pivotal decision to leave that marriage. And by leaving that marriage, I really left everything behind. I completely started over. I feel like there was Janelle pre-2013 and Janelle after 2013, because just as a person, a woman, a wife, a sister, like every hat that we put on as women, um, I changed and I really grew in those roles. Wow. Quite a story. Along the way, did you have any professional help before 2013? You know, I didn't. Um, when I, let me take that back. When I was really young with some of the sexual trauma, my mom did seek out counseling for us. Mm -hmm. And I vaguely remember, it's, it's funny what our brains do. So I can remember pictures of sitting with the therapist and what it, I could tell you what the room looked like. Mm -hmm. um, but it was, I think it was a pretty short stint of time that we a therapist mm -hmm. and then after everything else you know so how did you get on the other side of everything that you went through in 2013 what what changed I think the biggest thing that changed is in March of 2013 is when I made that big decision and the previous November is when I really I started reading the book The Secret so I started understanding about the universe and law of attraction and that there were things out there that were of the unknown. And instead of being scared of it, I leaned into curiosity and I went to my husband at the time and I said, I'm not happy. I, I want to be happy. I need to be happy. Can we go see a counselor? Can we get help? And he listened and he seemed very welcoming and loving of everything I was telling him and then he just looked at me in the eyes and I was if your audience wants to paint a picture was literally on my knees in front of him begging him and he said we can go but if we do this then I won't be happy and he gave me that ultimatum of I could be happy or he could be happy and I knew that I had been able to deal with my unhappiness I knew what it was like to sit in my closet and cry on the floor um, I knew depression and anxiety, they filled my days. I knew how it was to be stressed and I didn't know if he was strong enough to take on those emotions. So I just said, you know what, forget about it. And then in March, I had found out that he was having an affair and 
he had been unfaithful in the past, but in 2006, he quit drinking. And that was a big thing with us as he was an alcoholic. And um, so when he quit drinking, I told myself, everything's going to change. All the problems were because he drank. And of course they weren't, but that's what I told myself. I promised myself though in 2006 that if he ever had an affair again, then I wouldn't stay with him. And then through learning about the law of attraction, I would ask for signs. And I was really, I think I had intentionally and unintentionally asked the universe for a sign of what I needed to do. So when I found out that he was having the affair, was I sad? Yes. Was I heartbroken, devastated? I was all of that. And I was relieved. There was this sense of, okay, I, I get to leave. There was a lot of, I didn't think I could ever leave him. Most of that was because he told me I could never leave. There was a lot of threads wrapped up in that. Uh, I'll refer to it as a promise. He'd always say, I promise you. So I thought, okay, I can, I get to start my life over now. Maybe now I can be happy. I mean, truthfully, even at that point in my life, it wasn't that I wanted to be happy. I just, I wanted to feel something other than what I was feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, I left. I I left him. I went to the bank. I took out half the money. I gave it to him. I started my own bank account for the other half. And um, I filed for divorce. I gave him everything of value because I just wanted a clean start. I didn't want anything from my past. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start being this woman that I knew was inside of me, this woman that I kept painting this picture of, and I wanted to lean into her. And so that's kind of how I did it. <laughs> like, I just, I just did it. I think I got this boost of energy from the universe saying, here's your chance, like yeah. take the leap or don't. And I leap. Um, did you have support along the way? Like, sounds like you did this all by yourself. Yeah, you know, I I kind of did do it all by myself. I didn't have a big support system. Um, I didn't have a lot of friends at that point, and I didn't share a lot. I didn't show, share everything. I shared some of what I was going through. My sister always wanted me to leave. She just wanted me to leave the relationship. My mom is very much like, I won't even project any of my feelings or my opinions. Do what you're going to do and, I'll, and I'm going to back you up. I had and have this great guy friend. He is amazing. His name's Mike. And he was very, he was like the mix of the both of them. Um, so that was like my little mini support system. But I did have this relationship now with the universe that I felt like I was co-creating what I wanted in life, which mm -hmm. I mean, now is known as manifesting. I understand what it is, but, and I had these two little humans that mm -hmm. they were five and 10 at the time. And, and I wanted more for them. I wanted them to see a mom that was fulfilled and thriving and that would be excited about life and excited mm -hmm. to do things and not just chronically depressed and always, you know, kind of just mad. I, I was mad even when I didn't realize that I was mad because it's, I mean, that's just a part of being depressed is you're just so physically and emotionally exhausted. Um, and then I had the book, The Secret, that was kind of like my support system. I was like, here's all these people who are happy in their lives and they're doing what they want to do and they're they're following this law of attraction. So I'm going to kind of follow it. But outside of that, no, I, I really, I went within. I think that as humans, we outsource a lot. Like we want somebody to tell us what to do, how to do it, get the quick results, to get yeah. the easy yes. And when we are quiet and can be still, then we can go within and we can ask ourselves, what do we need? 
how do we need to get there? What are the action steps that we can take? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just self-belief. I mean, that, it takes time. Mm-hmm. I definitely didn't have that in that moment. <laughs> I had a divine push from the universe, but um, along the way I've developed it. So now you left, but you can't move on really until you do some work, some yeah. mental work. So, so tell us about your experience with forgiveness. So I, gosh, Carm, are you right? I did not, once you leave, all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I am starting from, from scratch, from square one. So what do I do? I didn't even know what I liked in life. If you asked me, do you like cherry wood or oak or white cabinets? I would have said, I I don't just pick one. I was so indecisive because I didn't know who I was. So even getting to the place of forgiveness, it started with just listening to what I wanted and looking at everything in this world and knowing there's so much that the world has to offer me. There's so much abundance. I really leaned into this idea of abundance. And I started going along my way and noticing that I had so many blocks, so many hangups. I think what forget when we have, forgiveness really is just healing traumatic experiences. And sometimes that tra- traumatic experience, like it doesn't have to be, I say, let's not compare our trauma because it looks different for everyone, but it's something that's really stopped you in your tracks. And if you keep going about your day or about your life and you don't heal it, then you have this, like, it's like a record playing on repeat in your mind where it's, it's constantly, it's the limiting beliefs. It's the self-doubt. It's the, you can't do this. An example would be if you, if part of your trauma is just that you were told that you asked stupid questions or you're made fun of in school or your parents told you to be quiet all the time, then maybe that shows up with, you don't want to raise your hand or you don't want the attention on you. You just doubt if you can pick between one restaurant or the other, right? Like it just shows up in such different ways. Um, I started noticing that I started noticing that why do I want this thing, but I can't seem to get it. Or why am I holding myself back? Why do I feel so afraid and fearful all the time? And I had heard these terms like brain spotting and rewiring your brain or reprogramming your brain. And I was like, oh, well, let me start paying attention to my thoughts and how my brain worked. And that's when I realized that I would consistently go back to these horrific things that had happened to me. And that's what would stop me. And I knew in that moment that these were like wounds that I had that were open and exposed. And so of course, if you have an open exposed wound and you breathe on it, or you put some alcohol on it, it's going to sting, it's going to burn. And that is what was consistently happening to me in my life. So even as things started to get better, I was still held back in many ways. And so I just knew I, I had heard about forgiveness before growing up, I'd been in and out of the church. And so they talk about forgiveness and I remembered hearing forgiveness and thinking, there's no way I'm going to forgive this person or that person because it's so big and I don't want to excuse what they did. And then I realized that the people that hurt me, they weren't thinking about hurting me. In this day, in this present moment, they weren't sitting there like, oh my gosh, I'm so sad that I hurt you I can't move forward. But I was sitting there saying, I'm so sad. I'm so broken. I can't move forward. And that's when I realized the power of forgiveness and that forgiveness, it really is not for the other person. It is for us. And it is taking the time to clean out that wound and to put, put the ointment on it 
and place the bandage and wrap it up and then care for it as often as you need to until it is fully healed. It's always going to leave a scar. We have these invisible scars, which sometimes suck the most because nobody sees them and they're just within us. But we can take our scars and we can make them into something beautiful. So I just, I, I started doing that. And then through my process of doing it, I realized there are so many different ways of forgiveness. And when we forgive someone, we can forgive them and want them 100% in our lives the way they always were. Or we can forgive them and never want to talk to them again. And then there's so many different shades in between. And so as I started learning this, I naturally wanted to share it with other people and let other people know the power that is in forgiveness and what it means to forgive and then how they could forgive. I mean, is it just making the choice? How do we do it? We just decide and, and where do we go from there? You have to decide. Yes. (laughs) You have to make Mm -hmm. the conscious decision, but then it takes work. And a lot of the work that I do with my clients is some people might refer to it as woo-woo work. (laughs) It's realizing, and this is where gratitude comes in. So gratitude and forgiveness pair for me because forgiveness is the, the key to get out of this gel that you've been into. But gratitude provides the path to reach the key so that you can get out. And it's realizing even in the worst of times, like I say, I always share that I've grown through things because we're consistently learning lessons and we experience character building moments and we're just growing, we're evolving. And some of the hardest things that we go through, that's where we learned empathy or that's where we learn how to respect ourselves. That's how we learned how resilient we were. And so it's taking these situations that are calling for forgiveness and it's realizing what came out of that how did I grow or where was the lesson what can I be grateful for even if it's the smallest thing going back to the book analogy we have we all have our book I like to think of it as if you envision like your brain being an office you have this office it's your your space and every single time that something's happened to us maybe you have that big life book But then you have this shelf that's like far in the corner of your office. And that's where all these little books get to go. So when somebody hurts you, you can decide what you want to take from there and keep that as a footnote in your book. So again, like that's where I learned how freaking powerful of a human I was. And then you take everything else that happened, the stuff that you've forgiven, the situation, the trauma, and you put it in this volume, volume one, volume 100, and you walk over and you put it on that shelf. And, and then you come back to your desk with your book and you just keep writing, you keep moving forward. So it's always there. It's not like you just forgive and, and it's never there. I don't like the saying forgive and forget. I think really when you forgive, there's not a lot to forget because it's healed, but it's, it's always going to be there. It's just not something that is constantly triggering you. It's not an open wound anymore. Mm -hmm. But I mean, there's so many steps that go into it. With childhood wounding, it's going back. It's thinking about, okay, this is what happened, but what did you need? What could have made it a more pleasant experience? And if that didn't happen, where do you think your life would be? So it's a lot of hard questions. It's a lot, a lot of digging deep. It's a lot of work. I think that's mm-hmm. why some people don't forgive because they feel like it's more work. But mm-hmm. I say that it's hard to do the work and it's hard to not do the work. And so which, what hard do you want to take yeah. on? Yeah. So I was going to say, why is it so hard 
And it's because you have to dig really deep and we're not good at holding up mirrors and looking deep. We're not good at it. And I think we, it's kind of, you know how we want like instant satisfaction? It's like the microwave effect. You want to just pop something in the microwave instead of putting it in the oven. And I think in the moment we are faced with, okay, we can go back to this experience, right? And do the work Mm -hmm. and heal, or we can keep going. And we think it's easier just to, to keep shoving it down, but that's because we're not realizing how much it is affecting us day to day to day. Mm-hmm. And if we were to grasp that, and then also just understanding how much more beautiful life is when you don't have all of these chains on you, like mm-hmm. think about the, the gel cells. Like you, if you've gone through so many things, it's like you have several locks on you, just weighing you down and it's time to grab the keys and start unlocking and taking them off one by one. So that it's not, so heavy you don't have that heaviness just weighing on your shoulders every single day it's lifting that weight um so yeah it is it's hard for people I think doing the work is hard and then just realizing removing all of those stigmas around forgiveness and realizing that it's not a one-size-fits-all and sometimes it can take as little as five minutes to forgive someone it doesn't have to be a long process and sometimes it is long process I'm a very and woman I the only tattoo I have is the ampersand sign because it's it's always this and this there's not a lot of or this and this and then something better I love that. So it's okay to put it in that smaller book and put it on the shelf and we don't have to forget it. Do we have to like the person or continue a relationship with them? And I know that there's so many different types of uh, situations, but I think sometimes, sometimes we think, you know, I'm not a good person if I can't, if I can't do this, if I can't forgive this person and like them again. I don't know. A lot of times I think it's okay to, to not want to stay connected to somebody. Yeah. There's a plethora (laughs) of people that I've forgiven um, that I will never talk to again. I don't talk to them. I don't talk about them. I don't place myself in situations where I would ever have to see them. And that's okay. That's a part of forgiveness brings back our power. And so we have that power of saying, no, like you don't get to ever see me again in your life. Like that's what you would say to that person figuratively. Like you're not actually talking to them. It's bringing back. It's like, if you By not forgiving, it's like you have these cords where you're attached to them because you're keeping them in your life. And once you forgive, you you bring back all those cords and they come back to your heart center. And that's that's why it is so magical. And when you start to go through a forgiveness journey and you call back all those parts of you, Mm -hmm. you realize how extraordinary it feels to be whole again because now you are whole. You're no longer pieces of you and pieces of you that have been broken. Like it all just comes back to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what, that is what I love helping women do really is seeing the glow come back, seeing that it's easier to smile than it is to frown because there's so much that bogs us down and we have enough. Listen, just day-to-day life, we have enough to worry about <laughs> without yeah. all of the, all of the forgiveness stuff. And forgiveness is a daily practice because we have day-to-day lives. Like self-forgiveness. I don't know if we were going to touch on that, but that alone is such a big thing that we forget about. We forget about forgiving ourselves from the big decisions that maybe you turned left and you got into a horrific car accident and you're just like, I just wish I would have turned right. That's where self-forgiveness gets to come in. And then sometimes it's the little things. If you're a mom, I mean, there's so many times that we lose our patience with our children or we send them to bed without all the hugs and kisses and the I loves you. It's like a quick, I love you, go to bed. 
because you're just so overwhelmed with life. And if you don't take the time to forgive yourself, it mm-hmm. seems minute, but really it's just one thing after the other, after the other stacking up and stacking up. And then you realize with these little tiny things, you're mm-hmm. lashing out, mm-hmm. but that's because you're emotionally exhausted and forgiveness can come in and help you. So I loved the cord analogy, the cord that keeps you connected to that person. And then when mm-hmm. you forgive and you separate it, it comes, it all just goes back into your heart. What happens to us when we hold on, when we don't forgive? I think that is where it keeps us really just playing small and limiting ourselves and questioning every single thing that we do. I have a client who's also a friend and we were talking, she's going through some stuff in her life. And she was saying how she she's faced with this area right now in her life where she's being asked to make a decision. And she said, like, I just, I don't want to make the decision. And I said, that's because there's unhealed trauma. And when you have to make a decision, you're forced to go down a path. And because you don't have enough trust in yourself and confidence because you haven't healed from these other traumatic experiences where you picked a path and it led you down a wrong street and something bad happened, you don't feel comfortable making that decision. So it's holding her back. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful thing is she gets to decide how long she stays stuck, right? And I don't say that in in a bad way, but it's just such an honest way. Like we get to choose our feelings. Our emotions come and go, but we get to we have the power to stop and pause. There's lots of power in the pause and just breathe. And then ask ourselves, why are we doing this? And most likely if you're stuck somewhere or you, or another situation would be if you really want to go for that promotion, like you've been thinking about it, this promotion opportunity came up and it's time to turn in that resume and say yes, but you're hesitating. You don't want to click. You're, it's all that self-doubt, lack of confidence. That's because that's what happens when we don't forget. We're not, it's like you have this pond of water and it's so muddy because there's so much work that needs to be done. But when you take the time to go in there and clean it, it becomes crystal clear. Mm-hmm. That's how easy it is to start making the decisions. That's how easy it is to become, I, I say now that I'm obsessed with my life and it's true. But if you would have asked me in 2013, like, do you want to be obsessed with your life? I'd be like, I don't like, screw that. I just want to, yeah, I, I want to wake up and, and feel something other than gloom as soon as I open my eyes. Like it's so far. But as we practice, you know, forgiveness and that it, it's a piece of self-love, right? So you practice forgiveness and you invest into yourself with your time, your money, your energy. You paint this picture of you and you envision her every single day. And then you take these small actions into being her. Everything just gets clearer and more beautiful and vibrant. Like life becomes rich. And my friend Jen says creamy, like it's the creamy goodness of life. And and it really does. And it's just so much easier to wake up and be excited. Like I'm genuinely excited when I wake up. And when I go to bed at night, I count my blessings and, and it's, it's easy for me. And sometimes I fall asleep just thinking about all the things that I'm mm. grateful for because there's such a long way. Do your clients, do they always know that there's forgiveness they need help with when they come? Or are you the one that sometimes reveals it and they're like, oh, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't realize I was hanging on to that. It's a mix. It, typically they know that there's some Thing, but they're like, you know, I don't know what I need to forgive. And mm-hmm. then it's just like, okay, start like, just start talking to me about your story, your, your past, your present. It's, again, it's not always something that was embedded in our childhood. Sometimes right. it's something that happened a year ago with COVID going on. 
it has been where like the year mark, there's a lot of forgiveness for jobs lost or loved to have passed away because of COVID. Like there's, there's a gamut of forgiveness just there alone. But it's, it's funny. Sometimes I have uh, women <laughs> who will come to me for gratitude and forgiveness. And then they'll like, that's how they kind of book their, I, I always do a 30 minute complimentary call. And they're like, you know, what I really want is I want you to help me with my business. And I'm like, there's no coincidences. This is synchronistic because I bet you whatever's taking you up in your business is something pulled to a place where you can have more gratitude or definitely forgive something that's keeping you tied down. Um, I do have a few clients that have come to me and they are very specific. They know that they went through something and it was really hard, whether it was a sexual trauma or a divorce or um, losing somebody that was very special to them and they just can't get past it. Mm -hmm. So there's a mix of it, but I, I love helping women understand. One of my clients, she couldn't find love. She was like, I just can't find it. I like, I want it and I call after it but I can't find my perfect person. How do I find him? And it was like, and we tracked it back to, this was a childhood thing, but it was the, what she had as an example of love. And so, yes, she was saying she wanted it, but embedded in her subconscious mind was like, love equals fighting. Love equals an unhealthy relationship. So she didn't really want it. So we just had to repaint that picture. We had to redefine what love meant to her. And I, it was within six months. Um, she found somebody who is definitely a soul partner for her. Wow. That must feel really good to, to help. Oh, it feels amazing. Yeah. So let's shift over to gratitude for a second. I feel like, um, this is the year of gratitude. I hear the word constantly. I feel like people throw it around and don't respect it enough. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, like keep a gratitude journal. It's just, I don't know. Is it, is it really that simple? Maybe it is. Or starting off, like starting out, if you're new and you're kind of like, oh, I, I don't really ever even think about gratitude. Writing things down is good. Um, I have a gratitude and forgiveness mastermind. And, and that one of the things that I do is I gift journals to all the women because we do a lot of journaling and mm-hmm. we talk about the things that we are grateful for. But um, in the grand scheme of things, like, no, it's not, <laughs> it's not just writing it out in the morning or thinking about it at night. It's, it's the pockets of time throughout the day that you are stopping, you're pausing and you're feeling gratitude. And it's, it's not just, oh, I'm so grateful I'm alive, which we should be so grateful we're alive. I mean, that is, if you can't think of anything else, be grateful that you're alive, that you get another opportunity at living this life right here, right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I'm grateful for the electricity that when I flip on a light switch, I have a light. Like I can get so excited and be so un wavering, wavering and my gratitude for electricity. And then the fact that I have a, a fridge full of food, I'm so grateful. Not everyone has that. I feel mm-hmm. so happy and so abundant because of the food in my fridge. I'm grateful for the relationships that I have. A lot of what I do is based in emotion. So it's, it's the intangibles, right? And the relationships that I have with my children and my daughter is going to be 18 in two months. And if you asked her who her best friend is, she would say my mom. 
Like we have the best relationship. I have an extraordinary relationship with my son. My relationship with my husband is one that I dreamt of having. Like it's just, it's so juicy and so good. And these are the things that I'm grateful for. And I'm grateful for my car. I'm grateful for the gas that's in my car. Like I help women to embody gratitude. And that's what embodiment looks like. It is in me. I live it and I breathe it. Mm -hmm. People always say like, how you can get from angry to gratitude so quickly. How? And I'm like, because of the bounce back, it's really, it's a bounce forward. I'm, I'm the pendulum. It's knowing that because I'm also a deep feeler. So I feel all the emotions. I like to hold space for them and decide how long I want to sit in them. But then I can always find something to be grateful for because I believe that everything that is happening around us to us, it's, it's inevitably for us. It's for mm -hmm. a greater purpose and a bigger reason. Mm -hmm. um, so it's taking the time to just stop and think. When I receive a bill in the mail, maybe it's an unexpected bill. Um, I will give a real life example. My daughter had some, she had her wisdom teeth pulled. I was quoted a specific amount. I paid it. And then a month or two later after the insurance processed it, we still need to pay like $109 more. And when I got that, I opened it and initially, right, my first emotion is like, dang it. <laughs> and then I just sat there thinking, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful because I have such a beautiful relationship with money loves to surprise me in unexpected ways. And I also know that what I give out, I get back times 10. And so then I was able to feel gratitude for that bill because I was like, ooh, the universe has something to surprise me with next. And it's going to be a just beautiful demonstration of abundance. So I called and I paid that bill with gratitude. Mm. So many of us, we even just our day-to-day -day bills that we know we're going to receive. It's like, oh, okay, I got the, the bill in the mail. Or like, hey, have you checked your mail today? I, lo I love sending happy mail. So if I send a letter to somebody and it's been a few weeks and they haven't mentioned it, um, I'm just curious, like, did you check your mail? Like, oh, I don't want to check my mail. All there is is bills. And it's just like, oh, honey, <laughs> how's your relationship with money? <laughs> Probably not great because you're not having gratitude in all the ways that, it, that money shows up for you even. And everything is an ebb and flow. And so even like I said, when we are sitting in a moment that is sucky and I say like sit in the suck, it's not about pushing past it. It's not about um, over positivity or making everything like light filled. You get to be mad. You get to be upset. You get to be jealous. If you're feeling jealous, feel all of that, but then choose something better, something that's going to serve you more. It doesn't serve mm -hmm. you to be upset and it doesn't hurt anybody else around you. Like it inevitably just, it tugs on you and your heart. So feel it for as long and then just decide like, okay, cool. I'm done feeling mad. And maybe like, you don't want to feel happy. Great. So feel neutral, feel acceptance, and then build your way up to feeling gratitude. Mm. So you embody gratitude all day long and that, you know, that's a stretch from just the journal and writing it down at the end of the day. How, <laughs> how do we get there? Can we be taught? I mean, or is it just, um, you know, just, just trying a little more every day? How do we do it? I mean, life moves fast, right? And we like being miserable and complaining and blaming, <laughs> well, blaming <laughs> the speed of life for everything. Yeah. You know, I'm referring to myself. <laughs> so well, and how do we learn it? I think that our brains like evidence our brains like tangible evidence to, to look forward to. Mm -hmm. um, so it's easy for all these things that are coming into your life and to have that reaction. And it's harder to, in the beginning, to just 
feel gratitude because that's an intangible feeling that you're just consciously looking for. I would say get a rock um, or a crystal or something that you can hold in your hands. It could even be a keychain mm-hmm. and put it in your pocket. And anytime that you feel it, so if you're sitting down and it kind of jabs you on the side or you put your hands in your pocket for something and you touch it, make that your moment of pause and pause and just feel gratitude. And it can be you're grateful that you are on your way home to see your kids or you're grateful that you just passed the most beautiful bouquet of flowers. And and then if you did just pass them, you're like in a store, walk back to those flowers, smell them, touch the petals, appreciate every color that's in that bouquet of flowers. Just stop and sit in that mm-hmm. and know that, like you said, life passes and it moves so fast. But time is what we make of it. So choose to take the time to just be still and, and think about it. And sometimes I'm just so grateful. I will take a deep breath and then I'm just so grateful for my lungs that they are able to hold in that breath, that it can hold for four seconds and release for four seconds. But yeah, I would say give yourself something tangible to set as a reminder so that you can stay in gratitude. I took a, a class, a group weight loss coaching class, and the coach said that you were talking about, we have emotions, we have feelings. If you pause, you get to say to yourself, I don't want to feel like this. I'd rather feel mm-hmm. gratitude. I don't want to feel gloomy. You know, um, I, I can choose a different feeling. If you have any listeners who especially are dealing with mental health issues, depression, anxiety, sometimes it is hard to choose a better feeling. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who spent much of my life in depression and anxiety, I just want to tell them like, I see you and I understand. I know what it is like to not be able to find a better feeling. There are many nights that I, even days that I called it quits. I laid down and I went to sleep because I couldn't think about anything else. I can only describe it as a dark gray cloud that would fall over me. And there was nothing in sight. I couldn't see past this gray cloud. And so saying to somebody who's in that, in that thick trauma or in that thick depression or in that thick anxiety, And telling them like, just be happy or just choose a better thought. That's like stabbing somebody. I mean, it's literally, it's so painful to tell somebody like that. Like it's, if you're in, if you're having a panic attack and somebody says, just breathe, well, screw you. Like (laughs) I can't breathe. I can't catch my breath. And so in those moments, I think one of the things that I still do is I put my hand to my heart and I remind myself that home is where my heart is and I am safe. Sometimes that's the only thought I can choose other than life is too much for me right now. It's mm-hmm. just, I am safe. I'm protected. And yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, it can be that simple. Yeah. Thank you for pointing that out. Some people really don't feel like they, they can choose a better feeling. Yeah. So why do you think some people who have been through trauma and tragedy get to the point where they're inspired to overcome and just some people remain stuck. Is it, is it all rooted in forgiveness? I mean, I would imagine sometimes there are other factors, but um, are there any commonalities, I guess, between, you know, with the, the people who, who choose to overcome? I mean, I think a lot of it plays to having, it's, it's our environment around us. Mm-hmm. So what are we seeing? The, the people that are surrounding us, the stories that we've either told ourselves or been told, how much are we really kind of rooted into those? 
I think the people that stay and replay their story one after it's like the the woman who is in a bad relationship every single relationship is bad mm-hmm. I think so much of that is number one where our energy where, what we're focusing on grows and so if you're constantly saying like oh I'm always in a bad relationship you will always be in a bad relationship mm-hmm. there's so much mindset work um that goes into both gratitude forgiveness and everything that we do in life like I believe our brains are just extraordinary mm-hmm. and they dictate everything so if you lack self-esteem and you lack confidence and you lack self-belief and you are sitting in a moment in time where believing and the unimaginable is too far-fetched and you, nobody around you is showing you anything different that's when we stay in those patterns mm-hmm. that's when we're not breaking them because we aren't inspired we don't have somebody else saying like hey I've been where you are mm-hmm. again we can't compare trauma and what even if we went through the exact same situation we're gonna feel differently about it but I've been in I've been on this path. We're walking it differently, but I've been on the path mm-hmm. and I am off the path now. And let me show you that's It's such a big part of why I share so much of my story and specifically around the sexual trauma that I endured and, and physical abuse and addiction, just all of those things is because I think I've been through so much. Um, I choose to believe that God has blessed me with all of these situations so that I could be that beacon of light to say, yeah. I get it. And not only can life be different and then a better feeling would be like, be better and then be extraordinary. Like not only can we get there, but I've done it and I can show you, I can give you tangible steps and some will work for you and some won't. And it's all a part of the journey. I think the journey in life is what makes life so worth living. And even when it's dark and we can't see that light at the end of the tunnel, it's that belief knowing that there is light at the end. And I get to step in and I get to say, here's the light, like, here's what we can do. But yeah, if you don't have that, it's hard. And, and it goes back to kind of like the victim mentality and choosing to stay stuck because I, I mean, this is just going to be like a truth bomb. So as as crappy as this might sound, like some some people just choose to stay stuck because it's easier in the moment. It's easier just to complain. It's, it's like you do a lot with weight loss. You've done a lot with weight loss. So it's easier for somebody to eat the chips, sit on the couch and complain about how unhealthy they are than to get up and, and choose a bottle of water or salad and work out. Because it's that momentary thing. We want the instant gratification. And even if that is painted by something that is actually more painful, it's Mm -hmm. just sometimes easier to sit there and consistently complain and complain and complain. And P.S. The complaining is just the universe is like, okay, cool. So you want to keep complaining about it? This is what you want. So we're going to keep giving you the things to complain about. And um, gosh, there's so much radical self acceptance (laughs) that has to happen. And, And nobody likes that. Nobody likes to say, my life is this way and I'm not changing it. Nobody wants to do that. If somebody's mad, if my kids are mad, I will ask them, hey, bud, um, how long do you want to stay mad for? And of course they don't want to be like, well, I want to stay mad for 10 minutes because they want to say, I'm mad because you're making me mad. Well, nobody can make you feel anything. Like you're choosing. So again, how long do you want to stay mad? Like I like to ask my clients, like, how long do you want to stay stuck? Like you paid me, I will sit in the, in the stuck with you, but like, how long are we going to do this before we start moving on to something greater and and something better? Tell us just a little bit more about what you do at Synquility. Oh my gosh. So I, this was such a, a love 
synchronicity is such a love of mine. It was, I was saying it was because it was birthed last year um, during COVID. And to put it in the most plain way, it's that deepened sisterhood. It's a space to go where uh, no pun intended, you don't need a mask. <laughs> I think there are so many spaces, especially with, so with COVID, everything went online. And all of a sudden we are secluded in our homes and we can't go anywhere and we can't see our friends. And especially for, I'm very introverted, but for my extroverted friends, like that was hard for them to yeah. tell them there's no more social gatherings for the women who are single moms and they have nothing else to look forward to other than now parenting and being a teacher to their children. And there's no outlet. There's no Friday night. I'm going to go out with the girls and have a drink or go meet up with my best friend and have a cup of tea. And I wanted to provide a space where women could just come and be. I think also there's so many groups for specific things, like there's sobriety groups and there's networking groups. And there's these groups where you have to go and put on some type of hat mm-hmm. and, and show up and be ready. And it was like, no, let's just remove all of that. Let's strip it all down and show up as you are, who you are, Let's be vulnerable. Let's be courageous. Let's support each other without competition. And, and just like, let's toss all of that aside and just live together. And personal growth is so important for me. And so I wanted a space where women could say here, like, I want to keep growing. I think if, if we stop growing and stop evolving, then what are we doing? And I encourage women around me to grow. And sometimes growth looks so incredibly different from one woman to the other. And it's appreciating that. It's appreciating the differences that we have and knowing that all of that makes us beautiful. But really it was just creating a space where women could come and and we do a lot of stuff. And like, we literally have sobriety hour where for women who are sober, sober curious, sober supporters, we have entrepreneurship circle. It's like a little business mastermind for our entrepreneurs. So I have these, I call them connection zooms. We also have social hour, an hour to get together, Friday free mm-hmm. chat. That's like, oh my gosh, here's how many weeks been. Um, so I, I, I build those out. Uh, and then we just have our online community where we show up every day and we wish each other happy birthday. And we ask, does anybody need some prayers right now? Are you going through something tough? Or, hey, what are you celebrating this week? It's, it's really deepened, uh, vulnerable, honest, trusting communication that we just we just love on each other yeah. it's, it's a really it's it's a beautiful space to be in oh I, I love them nobody <laughs> the listeners can't see your face right now you are literally beaming talking about it um, um, <laughs> so but you also do you know your your gratitude and forgiveness work you do that individually yeah and and do you do that in groups as well yeah so I do the one-on-one private coaching sessions and then I have a mastermind. I actually, my mastermind coming up starts March 10th. Um, and it, it goes eight weeks. I only allow eight women to be in there. So it stays very intimate so that we can open up and share. And then I have an online course, a self-paced seven modules, and it explains how to get to forgiveness. And I share a lot of my very personal stories. Mm -hmm as um, kind of an outline of how I work through it and then bringing more gratitude into your life. Again, I know with COVID, a lot of us lost jobs. Our community is $15 a month and it houses everything. And 
we do even more than what I shared. And, and it's all included in that $15. It is for those who identify as female. We do not let men into the space. We love men, but um, it's, we need a space that's protected for us. And then my course is $150. The mastermind is $555. Like I, I know that some women money becomes a hang up and I don't want that monetary energy to step in the way and prevent them from taking mm -hmm. that leap. It sounds wonderful. I'm so grateful that you came on the show today to tell Thank your story you and to inspire, inspire women. How can, how can my listeners find you? They can find me on Instagram. I'm at Mrs. Janelle M. You can go to coachjanelle.com or synquility.com on Instagram. It's at Synquility Sisterhood. Great. And Synquility has a unique spelling. S-Y-N-C-Q-U-I-L-I-T-Y, which you branded, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> and I will put, I'll put a link on uh, the podcast description as well. And I have one more question. Don't get yeah. mad at me. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you want to say to pre-2013 Janelle? Oh my gosh. Uh, I just want to tell her that if, if you can just close your eyes and take a moment and dream big, then all of your dreams will come true. Beautiful. Thank you so thank you much. Thank you so much for having me to your listeners. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that this has been worth your time and I look forward to connecting with you. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, thank you again. And This Girl Puts Out is officially signing off. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And for more stories about real-life women, visit thisgirlputsout.com.